So I often think of what it would be like if we called a barn raising and half the community came with their hammers and the other half brought lawn chairs. Welcome to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Hello and welcome to The Dismantle, a show for community, not converts. I'm your host, Joey. Each week we attempt to dismantle or take apart an issue that has or has the potential to be problematic in the church by having a dialogue with a guest who has insight or experience with that subject. Now, if you've heard before on the show, we won't always agree, but we don't want to argue. Our goal is to gain understanding and perspective by sharing our views in a way that builds bridges, but not barriers. Our guest this week is Alan Wilkes. Alan is a husband, father, and nano to six grandchildren, as well as the extension contingency, including my own. Originally from Canada, Alan, who lives in central New Jersey now, is a man of many talents, some of which include public speaking in church settings and volunteer work for CMML, a Christian mission organization. He wrote the program that counted the votes for American Idol, and he has walked from New Jersey to Toronto. A gentleman and a scholar. Alan, welcome to The Dismantle. Thanks so much, Joey. It's great to be here. It's great to have you on. Now, Alan, how did you get introduced to church, to faith? What's some of your background with spiritual stuff? Well, I actually came from a a family that was uh, almost all Christian. I, I can't remember any of my relatives that weren't Christian going back at least to my grandparents. And uh, so I grew up in that environment. Um, and I, I uh, became a Christian myself. I sort of affirmed Christianity in my life when I th- was 12 years old, I think, at a, at a Bible camp. So um, it's just been a part of my life. Hmm. Uh, I, was, I was part of a, a denomination that... Uh, is um, smallish, and uh, I think I'm probably the only one of my grandparents' descendants who still is in that church. Okay. So, but uh, many of their descendants are still Christians, and uh, so that's just been part of my life. That's great. Uh, Now, most people who have it a part of their life, it being faith, uh, usually can attest to some journey over time uh, within that journey of faith. Would you say that that's true for you as well? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've uh, I've grown in my faith over the years, and there were there were there were times when I had um, I maybe drifted a little bit, um, but I can really, as I think, I was actually thinking about this recently. As I think back over my journey, I can really see how God has put certain people in my life at just the right points so that uh, he was able, that his God was able to uh, keep drawing me back to uh, the center of my faith. And as a result of that, I would say that my faith has, has grown over the years. Um, I know that some people... Uh, sort of drift away and, and sometimes even uh, completely leave their faith. But for me, it's been the opposite. I've, I've grown stronger and stronger, and um, I'm now more sure than ever that what I believe about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is, is the truth, and it's the most important thing in the world. Well, thanks for sharing that, Alan. So our topic today on The Dismantle is this idea of 
church hopping. Uh, the generation that I belong to is classified as millennial, and we have a quote-unquote justified stigma of being flighty, unable to commit, wishy-washy. Um, people my age rarely invest in something long-term uh, because plans change. While this is a generational label somewhat humorous, this is also a routine occurrence within the church. Uh, Alan, what's your experience either personally or just from observing with church hopping? Well, it's a, it's an interesting expression, for one thing, church hopping. I think uh, it's it really is used in two different contexts. One is uh, the idea of sort of you move into a new neighborhood and you spend six months going from church to church, seeing what's available, um, what's going on in, in your neighborhood, and where you might like to start going to church uh, on a more regular basis. And then there's sort of what I might call a more insidious version of, of church hopping, where you go to church for, to some church for, um, a week or a month or six months and you get fed up for some reason and then you decide well this church isn't for me so then you go to another church and that's just your modus operandi so you just keep doing that for year after year and never really settle in so um both of those both of those things happen i think uh a fair bit um so I mean, any church can attest to the fact from the inside looking out that there are people who, who come for a while and then they leave, and then somebody else comes and they leave. And I assume that those people are in that process of church hopping. Do you think that there's a main reason that uh, this stems other than just um, things like jobs and moving houses and things like that? Do you think that there's a, an underlying issue? Yeah, I, I'm sure it's complex. I'm sure there are a number of reasons. Of course, as you say, people are moving around. Sure. So they, they necessarily have to uh, go to a church. So, but just thinking about people who, uh, as far as their, their geographical location, aren't changing. They're just, they've got a house. They're living in the house. They're going to be there for 10 years. Um, they'll still church hop. Um, some people even go to church on YouTube. And uh, mm -hmm. don't even hop out of the house. Right. Let alone um, bed. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Bedside Baptist, I've heard that called. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I think there's a number of reasons. Um, I think ultimately it comes down to a misunderstanding of, of what church is. Hmm. Um, this, I, I started thinking uh, more seriously about this maybe a decade ago, and it, it one thing that really struck me about church, and really any of my answers to, to your questions are, are based on this, this thought that I, I've, I've been thinking about for years now, um, and that is that the church is God's main project. Um, God's in the earth now, uh, interacting with, with humans, at all different levels, all different kinds of people, and he's doing something in this world. And we imagine that he's, we imagine different things, projects that he's involved with, uh, feeding the hungry, um, 
um, and various other things. But, but his main project, and out of which all of the other ones stem, is that he's building his church. We often say that Christ is building his church. There's lots of evidence of that in the Bible, that that's what he's doing. So this is God's main project. He's building his church. And I think that a lot of people don't see church that way. They don't understand that this is God's main project. This is, this is what he's doing. They don't realize that, um, you know, <laughs> this is God's project, and this is the project I need to be involved in. I can do other things, and there are, there's lots of other good things to do, but it just somehow doesn't, it seems somehow that I've got my priorities wrong if I'm not, if I'm not sort of aligned with God and doing what he's doing. So I guess to answer your question, there's a lot of reasons that uh, people don't stick to church. I don't really understand why millennials, as you say, I guess it's a cultural thing, are less likely to stick at, at church. Um, but I think ultimately it comes down to this this thought that um, people are just not really grasping the fact that this is what God's doing and what we should be involved in is what God's doing. It's his project. Now, I think preference plays a large role in our society as a whole. You can customize your car and your latte and your social media all based on preference. Uh, what role do you think preference plays in our church? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the, the, the denomination that I belong to, the, the so-called Plymouth Brethren, um, uh, we, we tend to call ourselves patternists. Hmm. We, uh, we claim rightly or wrongly, that the Bible actually has a pattern for meeting, a pattern for the church to meet. Um, the Bible doesn't say it has a pattern, but, but we, we say the Bible has a pattern, and so we try to follow that pattern. So um, if, if you're a patternist, that kind of narrows the set of choices that you might have if you're, if you're trying to choose a church. Mm -hmm. But let's ignore that, that idea of patternism. And, and aside from that, um, I think, I mean, I like the idea that there's a lot of, a lot of choice. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of choice when you, when you choose a church. There's a lot of different things that will appeal to you and that won't appeal to you. And um, and I think certainly people are thinking that as they choose a church, if they're doing church hopping uh, type one, which is looking for a church, right. then it's very natural just to go and see, you know, I prefer this, I don't prefer that, I like the music, or I like, I like the friendliness of the people, and so on. It's a natural thing to think about. So I think certainly even church hopping number two could, could have to do with preference. The problem with that is that while it, it's, it's good to have that play a role, since I think 
one should be making a, a long-term commitment ultimately. So you, you want a place where you're going to be comfortable. It shouldn't be the main criterion. Going back to the idea of, of God's project. If this is God's project, then I think the way I should be thinking when I'm trying to choose a church is which church that I see around me, can I be, best be involved in what God's doing, in God's project? Because I want to contribute. Mm. One way I've often thought of it is that we are co-builders with Christ. Christ is building his church, and we're building alongside him. There's lots of evidence of that concept in the New Testament. So if I'm a co-builder, then I, I need to ask, it's less important what my preference is. I mean, these are all sort of external forms, whether it's liturgical or or free-flowing, or um, there's more food or less food. I mean, those are fine. I, I don't object to thinking about those things. But my primary consideration should be, um, how can I be involved in God's project here? Um, should I, uh, you know, I've, I've got a set of tools at home. Can I bring my tools for this project? Mm. Um, these are my tools, and, and how can I best fit in? It seems like the consumeristic mentality actually doesn't really have a role with the mindset of how can I be a part of what God is building. So now it's not necessarily about what my needs are. It's more about what, how can I best contribute to what's going on here. and. I think we miss that a lot within the local church, especially in this area. Yeah, I don't know about this area. Um, I think it's a pretty universal, well, if by area, I guess you meant um, the United States, I could say that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think the metropolitan area is, yeah. is a very consumeristic yes, uh, sure. church environment. But I mean, there are other places in the world where where the church is under a lot of pressure and and sometimes extreme pressure from governments and it sure it you, you go to church for different reasons absolutely but yeah certainly certainly in in our context i agree a lot with that that um you know i mean we all know about the fact that we lead busy lives uh there's we're always checking our social media uh, everything's in short sound bites and, and, you know, all of these things. I mean, I think that's probably what you're getting at earlier about the things that cause us to church hop. It's just a weird life that we live that's very different than, mm. than it was even, even 20 years ago, right. and certainly 50 years ago. I'm 64, so I was uh, 14 years old 50 years ago, and I was, I was going to church, and I, and. And I can remember it, and it was it was very different than it is nowadays. But the basic principle is the same, um, or should be the same. That, as you say, um, we tend to. I mean, I've had many conversations with people about choosing a church or leaving a church, and very often they say, "Well, I'm not getting enough out of this, or my children aren't getting enough out of this." And I mean, those are legitimate concerns. There's no question about it. I don't want to um, play them down. They're legitimate. But I don't very often hear people saying, I think I can 
I think I can do a better job co-building with Christ if I go to this other church. Mm. It's not what it's not about what I can do, it's about what I can get. Do you find that those people, just in your experience, those people that you do talk to who uh who do hop around due to the the nature of what you just said, are people who are invested or are they more just Sunday arrival, not necessarily involved in a ministry serving? Like, are these the fringe people who are making these statements or are these people who have invested time, blood, sweat, and tears into these churches? Yeah, so I I understand the question perfectly. And certainly people do leave church in that latter category Mm -hmm. who have been at, at church for a long time, at a church for a long time. And that's a whole different um that's a whole different issue but i think um the people who are church hopping as you say going from church to church yeah they they'll always be on the fringe another thing about church regarding fringiness is that um you know you know as well as i do that the church is intended to be a community you're actually building something and what you're building is a community hmm. God is, is, his main project is to build this worldwide community, which is broken up into all these local communities all over the world. And these are people who are worshiping him and who are helping each other to be lights and salt in the world, um, helping each other to live holy lives. Um, so it's a community of people working together. When you're church hopping, you are on the fringe. You tend not to be able to develop any kind of deep relationships. And so you're not, you're not part of, in that sense, you're not part of the project, even if you are at a church, hmm. because you're just, you just go, um, I mean, part of it is, is that you're, you're just there for some uh, subset of the times that the church meets together, rather than sort of committing full force to everything. And part of it is that there's, there's not a sense of sort of being in each other's homes and and um, praying together in, in small units of people and encouraging and telephoning and visiting and, mm. and all those things that come with, with community. So, so people who are church hopping tend not to be in any of those situations, which are the real meat of, of growing. I mean, part of it, part of the meat is, of course, the Apostles' Doctrine, as it's called in, in uh, Acts chapter 2. But and so that would come when we're together and, and under the sound of the word, mm-hmm. to use a, a Christianese phrase. Right. And part of it is also worship, corporate worship, which we have to do together. So those are, those are corporate things. But, but there's a lot more to the church community than those things. And um, if you're church hopping, you know, it, it's hard to be involved in any of that stuff. Now, as someone who has experience with church hopping uh, within my family growing up, uh, before I believe it was the age of 19, we were at three different churches. Um, now, without going into much detail, there was always an issue. There was always a, uh, a spiritual truth connected to the reason why we left. And I don't want to overgeneralize and say that everyone has the, that experience, because I do recognize that that was specific to my family. Uh, 
But at the same time, we could no longer stay in fellowship, in relationship with the believers at this church because either a truth was being violated, misunderstood, misappropriated. Do you think that we over-spiritualize the issues we claim to be relationship-ending in a church setting? That's actually a, a really good question. It's, it, uh, it's, it's very deep. It, it's... I got nowhere to go. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a it. That's a difficult, a difficult question because, mm-hmm. um, no, as Christians, we we say we're we're people of the book, right, of the Bible, and we hold we hold dear to our hearts um, many different truths, doctrines. Um, some of them primary some of them more secondary some of them tertiary but so but we hold them strongly we feel that they're truth um and yet we're called as christians also to be tolerant so these things are in tension with each other Mm. um there are certain there are certain truths that that i i can't you know i can't compromise on I mean, if I compromise on the deity of Christ, for example, then I, I don't think I'm a Christian anymore because that is so central right. to what I believe. But there are other things that I, that I feel internally strongly that others may disagree with me. And um, I might get to the point where if there are people in my church who disagree with me, that, I, well, maybe I, should, maybe I should move on to somewhere else. And so I... That may be what I'm feeling, but it may be a wrong feeling. Mm. It may be that I'm, um, I'm not tolerant enough, that I'm not letting God work in their hearts or my heart, that, um, that the process of agreeing, which Paul calls us to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he calls us to agree in everything. Mm. I've not really understood how that's possible, but um, we're supposed to agree. But it's a, that's a process. It takes time. And um, I don't know. The, Paul, the Apostle Paul calls us to unity a lot of times in his writings. And um, so, I, I mean, I just, as I just look back over my own experience and I look at the reasons that people have left church, um, um, in that category that you're talking about, I don't, th- I can't think of many that that uh, they really should have left. That it would have been better, better if they they'd stayed and and waited longer and been more tolerant and and uh, try to try to let things heal, maybe try to discuss more. Um, I don't know. And and that also brings up another issue about um, how you leave, right? Um, that that uh, sometimes gets me upset, um, and that is that uh, sometimes uh, a church hopper. Well, this will happen particularly with a church hopper, but even someone who's been around for a long time, um, they become part of the community for whatever period of time, say say a month or six months. Um, or maybe 10 years, but they're part of the community. Then they get upset for the kind of thing that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. 
And then they disappear. You never see them again. One Sunday they're there, and the next Sunday they're not. No and, explanation, no call, yeah. no nothing. And, you know, and we love them. Hmm. They're part of our community. Um, maybe less so with the church hopper, but they're part of our community. And, and it's fine that they're leaving. It's, it, that's, that's not a problem. I would wish that they wouldn't, but it would be awfully nice if, if we could just sort of um, even stand them up in front of the congregation and say, here's our dear friends that are leaving, and, um, and we just want to wish them well and, mm -hmm. and uh, commend them to the Lord's service as they move on to a, a new situation. It's, just, it's like a family. You wouldn't do that with your family. Just right. walk away. And the beauty of that is that that actually has the potential to limit things like gossip and, uh, well, you know, why did they leave? Well, actually, the leadership commended them and sent them off the best way we knew how. So now there's no room for error or judgment or, or, or reading into things. Yeah, I mean, you can even say, you know, we've, we've had disagreements and, and um, our friends here feel that they would be more comfortable in a different setting, and that's, that's fine. That's not a problem. Hmm. But this idea of just sneaking off and, and uh, never showing your face again, it, it just goes against all my intuition about what, what church community is. Mm. You know, we're like a family, and you shouldn't do that. Right. You wouldn't do that to your family members. Why, right. would, why is that okay in a church setting? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Now, Alan, not only are you a friend and mentor to me, but you're also an elder at a church. Um, when and if a congregant leaves, for whatever reason, how does that make you feel as a leader of this institution aimed at spiritual care, helping people, being a family? How, how do you feel as someone in that position? Well, I mean, I've already, I've already, well, no, I guess I haven't said how I feel. So how do I feel is sad. Um, and, and sometimes there's a little bit of guilt. Is it my fault? Um, is it our fault as elders? Are we doing the right things here at the chapel? Mm. Um, um, so there's a little bit of a little bit of, of introspection, but I think mostly it's just sadness. You know, it, it leaves a hole when somebody leaves. We love it when when a new person comes, and we it's sad when when somebody leaves. I mean, I'm again, I'm talking about a situation where not not the situation where they. They have to move to another state. Sure, we'll call those logistical reasons. Although that makes me sad too. Sure. Anytime, anytime someone leaves, uh, it makes me sad. Well, you're investing in these people's lives. It's not yeah. just hey, we're we, you know, even even just looking at it from outside. Every seven days, you're with the same hundred or so people. That's a commitment, and that's it is emotional, and and for for this conversation, it's a spiritual investment as well. So yeah, of course. I mean, anyone with half a brain would would feel something. There's another uh, way to think of that too, with respect to like this idea of community and God's project. He's trying to build the community. If you think of church um, as sort of a place to go to get fed, a place to go to hear a sermon mm -hmm. or to to hear some some cool new music. If you think of it that way, then if you then you turn that around and think of organizing church like you suppose you're suppose you you're in the church and you're you're responsible for organizing things mm -hmm. events and and so on 
So one way you can think about that is, well, <clears throat> let's just make sure that, that the place is really clean and the hymn books, if you have hymn books, are all lined up nicely and, um, and the sound system is all working well and make sure that someone locks the doors afterwards. You can sort of think of it as a, like a set of tasks to do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's sort of from the inside how the, the church hopper is thinking it from the outside. But if if you're really committed from the inside in having this community, um, then that's that's where this church hopping um, it, it's like an impedance mismatch. Like from the inside, you're trying to build a community. From the outside, um, what you're hoping is that people who come have that same vision that they want to be part of a community they want to be part of the project Mm. and so when you get other people coming in like church hoppers i mean it's it's great that they're there um and they get a chance to hear about god and and i guess that's what they want and and you know to a certain extent it's 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 good for them but Mm -hmm. but it's it's not what you've organized from the inside it's it's not what you're what you're aiming at. And so you've got this problem, like, what do we do with them? Hmm. Do we invest uh, just as much time in all these people that um, no matter what we do, they're just going to be there for uh, an hour a week and we'll never see them in in any other church or non-church context. Do we still pour efforts into them? That's a that's a real problem for for leadership trying to figure out what to do with that. And and even as you're saying that the idea that comes to mind is well Jesus had the 12 and Jesus had the 300 that followed him but I still felt in in my reading of it when he has the one-off uh encounter with the rich young ruler when he has the um the night meeting with Nicodemus there's still that same level of care of intentionality, of community building that some needed longer Hmm. than others. But then again, I'm not Jesus, so I don't know how you manage that. (laughs) But, you know, if if that is our goal, and I guess that's that's the question I'd love to kind of end our time with, Alan, is I love that vision that that if we're focused on building and and co-building with God, how do we as the church, make sure that that message is crystal clear? How do, how do we cast that vision? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I guess one way I've thought of it, um, I mean, I've, I've tried to share that myself with people over the years. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, pictures work. Jesus, Jesus taught in parables. Um, that's a very common mode of teaching in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, one picture that I've I've had in my mind for a long time is um, a barn raising. You know how the Amish in in um, Pennsylvania will do a barn raising. Mm-hmm. You know, brother brother Joe needs a a new barn. You know, he's he's uh, he's uh, Hank's son, and and um, Hank's just given him a, a piece of property, and he needs to build a barn on it. So. Um, next Saturday, we're all going to come together and build him a barn. Hmm. And uh, you've probably seen pictures of that, of barn raising. 
So I often think of what it would be like if, if we called a barn raising for Joe and, and half the community came with their hammers and saws and the other half brought lawn chairs and, and sat on the, the lawn and watched the building because it was such an interesting process. Mm. You know, and they had a tailgate party and brought barbecues and, and just sort of enjoyed watching the building. So that, I've tried to communicate that picture to people from time to time. Just like, I don't want to be sitting in those lawn chairs mm-hmm. watching. I want to be wielding a hammer because our project is the barn. It's not watching a barn. Hmm. And so I, I think that picture helps. I don't know. That's, that's one way to communicate that picture. Um, that's, that's what I love to tell people um, about, about the world that we live in, like the real truth about the world, what's really going on. Is not is not the politics. It's um it's not the wars. It's not the inequities in the world. Those those things are all true and they occupy a lot of our thoughts. But the real thing that's going on at the center of everything is God's project of building his church. That's what's going on. Mm. That's at the center. And if we can just capture that vision to realize that that, and it really is going on all over the world. Amazing things are happening all over the world. Just amazing things. What God is doing around the world and building his church. Phenomenal things. Um, we don't, we t- in the U.S. here, we tend to be more sort of provincial and insular, and we don't often see these things. But God is doing amazing things as he builds his church around the world. And I just want to be part of that. I want to be part of what he's doing uh, in preparation for the day when Christ returns. I love that thought. And, and Alan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Alan, if people want to email you, they can email us and we can forward that to you at, at dismantlepod at gmail.com. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I'd love to interact with people um, about these things. And thank you so much for, again for being on the show. That's my great privilege, Joey. That wraps up this episode of The Dismantle. We'd like to hear your thoughts on the episode today, your experience, and ways that we can continue to create community. Visit our website at dismantlepod.com. And until next time, don't complain about the things you're not willing to change. You've been listening to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Visit us at dismantlepod.com.